Sex Wars, a boy named Sue and the girl from Ipanema, next on One Nation. Hello, America. Welcome to One Nation. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Jacobs. You know, I can remember back in 1969, one of my favorite uh, musicians, Johnny Cash, had the great song, A Boy Named Sue. It was the number two song in 69 behind the Rolling Stones' Honky Tonk Woman. And I got to tell you something. We knew then what a honky tonk woman was all about. A honky tonk woman was a woman who hung around in Western cowboy bars back in the 1800s. And we knew if a boy was named Sue, there's going to be a lot of teasing going on. And, of course, Johnny Cash made that song incredibly popular. I can remember him singing it at uh, San Quentin Prison in 1969. Now, before we go on with the show, there's something I, I want to mention about Johnny Cash, who I absolutely loved back in the day. He, he admittedly said he lived an incredibly wild, sinful lifestyle. And what I'm doing right now is I'm using that word sin, and it's not very popular and politically correct and all that. But uh, Johnny lived a wild, sinful lifestyle, and towards the latter part of his life, he rededicated his life to Jesus Christ. He, he saw his life before him. He saw the, the things that he had done to his wife and, and to the women around him, and he said, you know, just like the rest of the world, I need a Savior. And he turned his heart to Christ. He even thought about, in many of his latter songs, latter part of his life, about that day when all of us, when you and I and the whole, anybody who's ever been born, will stand before the creator of the universe, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord God, Jesus Christ. The word Jesus, by the way, means Yahweh, who saves us from our sins. Now, I bring that up because we're getting into a topic right now that deals with wild promiscuity and wild, bizarre, sexual, revolutionary uh, activities that is something that these radicals within the alphabet people, LGBTQ plus people, are trying to make normalize in American society. Now, it's a half a century later from a boy named Sue and all that, and here we are being bombarded by men who are saying they are women and women who are saying they are men. One such trans simulata persona femina is Susan Stryker. She's a boy or a man named Sue. Now, this Susan Stryker uh, just recently was the head professor at the Gender and Women's Studies at the University of Arizona. He is now uh, he, uh, Professor Emeritus. I, Emeritus, excuse me. That's the, he wants the feminine form, not Emeritus, but Emerita, because he is pretending to be a she. He's also the founding co-editor of the TSQ, the Transgender Studies Quarterly. Now, this Sue, this boy named Sue, uh, claims to be a trans woman or a transgender woman or, get this, a trans lesbian. <laughs> I can't keep up with this stuff sometimes because it's just so in incredibly complicated and discombobulated nomenclature. But now remember, a trans lesbian is a guy who says he's a woman, but he likes women. How convenient, says the church lady, right? Now, he says that back when he was a kid in the 60s, a little bit younger than I am, 
He said he was going through his trans identification period, and he loved the song The Girl from Ipanema. That ended up becoming the number one song of 1965. He says that in it he fantasized that he was tall, tan, beautiful, young lady, uh, and he wasn't interested in men. That's how he interpreted the song. He even, this boy named Sue, declared, oh, it is such a little trans-lesbian fantasy. I want you to hear from this professor of gender trans queer studies down at University of Arizona as he explains his she experience. Here goes. It's like I've always been oriented towards women. You know, just like it was always, you know, it's like I like girls who like girls. I wanted girls who like girls to like me as a girl. You know, like that was that was just the thing from from early on. Um, There's something I've written about, um, you know, sort of like about that early childhood period of trans identification that as a four and five-year-old I was completely in love with the song The Girl from Ipanema you know which came out on the radio right right at that time 64 65 66 it was absolutely my favorite song as a child and it's like I remember fantasizing myself in that, you know, I was the girl from Ipanema. I was the tall and tan and, you know, long and lovely one who's, you know, I'm going to forget the lyrics, who's, you know, hips sway so gentle like a samba and, you know, whatever. And there's a line that says, um, um, she walks straight ahead to the sea. She looks straight ahead, not at he, you know, rhyming it in, English in a way that it's not quite grammatical, but, but it's like, I remember that feeling of like being the desirable woman who's like doing her own thing, walking towards the ocean. Men are looking at her, but she's not engaged. And it's like, that's not, I'm not returning your gaze. Right. And it's like, in hindsight, I was going like, oh, that is such a little like trans lesbian childhood sex fantasy. I loved that song when I was a kid, too. And trust me, I didn't fantasize as a little trans-lesbian sex fantasy. By the way, he he actually distorts the very meaning behind the song. He's trying to make that woman in the song to be a a trans-lesbian. But let's just take a little listen to the song and listen carefully to the words. Here goes. I love that song. It really brings back childhood memories. My mom used to sing it to me all the time. On my mother's tombstone is Lovely Lady of Song. Seriously, my mother had an incredible voice. She sang during World War II. Uh, I didn't mean to digress. Just sorry. These, these memories come into my head when I think of classic music. And by the way, the woman in the song was not lesbian. She liked men. It's, I, they even had the actual woman who was the teenage girl that they, were, they saw down in Brazil in 65. 
they've interviewed her, and she laughs at these crazy uh, interpretations, these uh, trans interpretations. Now, this Susan Stryker, the boy named Sue, it's very interesting. Uh, he wrote a number of books back in the day about 20-some years ago. One was called Lesbian Pope. Another one was called Gay Pope. Another one was called Queer Pope. I mean, this guy was all over the place when it came to queers, gays, lesbians, and he really fantasized about all these different sexual activities. Now, he picked the name Sue, and I don't know his actual uh, male name, his name given as a young man in Oklahoma. I will find it. But um, he picked the name Sue Stryker from a guy by the name of Jeff Stryker. And Jeff Stryker was a famous gay bisexual porn star back in the day. So this doesn't necessarily surprise me. This is the nature of this professor from University of Arizona who wrote the book Transgender History, The Roots of Today's Revolution. Remember that word, revolution. Now, by the way, I have been blocked on Sue uh, Stryker's Twitter account. I went into his Twitter account to watch what he was saying, and I probably insulted him by saying he was a boy named Sue or something along those lines. And at first I thought, well, maybe because he was an Arizona, excuse me, University of Arizona professor, he didn't like me because I am a graduate of Arizona State University. Go Sun Devils! But then it dawned on me that maybe the boy named Sue didn't like the fact that I called him boy named Sue. But he is a man, a boy who became a man who's pretending to be a woman and one who likes women. He's a trans lesbian. Now, what made this boy named Sue popular, we got to go back to 1993. He wrote an essay called My Words to Victor Frankenstein. Now, I've mentioned Frankenstein in previous shows in, in this, uh, um, on my po podcast. When it comes to this bizarre alphabet people world, especially the trans and the queers who end up creating man in their own self-hedonistic uh, image, one that defies the very nature of men and women and the very nature of humanity as made in the Imago Dei, the image of God. So here's, uh, I've got a clip by a transgender actor or actress, I don't know which one's the actor, oh, this gender stuff drives you crazy, and he, pretending to be a she, is going to actually act out the words, uh, the words from my words to Victor Frankenstein. Remember, Dr. Victor Frankenstein created the monster that is mistakenly called Frankenstein. Listen carefully to what's going on here, because I would, I would argue that ultimately it's the goal of the trans radicals, it's the goal of the queer radicals, it's to totally transform humanity into man's image. Listen carefully. The transsexual body is an unnatural body. It is the product of medical science. It is a technological construction. It is flesh torn apart sewn together again in a shape other than that in which it was born. In these circumstances, I find a deep affinity between myself as a transsexual woman and the monster in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Like the monster, I am too often perceived as less than fully human due to the means of my embodiment. Like the monsters as well, my 
exclusion from human community fuels a deep and abiding rage in me that I, like the monster, direct against the conditions in which I must struggle to exist. I will say this as bluntly as I know how. I am a transsexual, and therefore I am a monster. The word monster is derived from the Latin noun monstrum, divine portent, itself formed on the root of the verb monere, to warn. Monsters, like angels, functioned as messengers and heralds of the extraordinary. They served to announce impending revelation, saying, in effect, pay attention. Something of profound importance is happening. Before we come back to the monstrosity of the trans queer movement in America and around the world, I'll be back for the rest of the story. Welcome back to One Nation. I needed a break from that. I mean, now look, sometimes when I study this stuff, I, I, I get lost in this world and I'm going, I can't believe this is happening in my country. I can't believe this is happening around the world. I guess I should be aware of it because look what the National Socialists did to the world. Look what the Soviet Socialists did. They brought us into a bizarre Orwellian, Huxleyan world of idiocy, of, of authoritarianism, of fascism. And this is exactly the nature of what we're talking about here. But you'll notice in that previous clip, he, he says he defines the word monstrum. As a, as a warning to foretell. He says, they're messengers like angels. Messengers like angels. Do you think it's a coincidence that Susan Stryker loves and mentions in her book, excuse me, in his, her book, right, Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky, the hero of Hillary Clinton, the hero of Barack Obama. Uh, Saul Alinsky, who said, in essence, destroy your enemy, the conservatives, the Christians that are out there, and who calls Lucifer, the fallen angel, the very first radical. Because that's what's going on here in this trans-queer radical movement that, in essence, is wants our children, is going after our children. Now, it's interesting to note that in Susan Stryker's book, The Transgender History, he forgets to mention the monster John Money, who's mentioned by Matt Walsh in What is a Woman? John Money was the creator of the first sex gender uh, clinic, John Ho Johns Hopkins University, back in 1966, and he did experimentation with two twins who eventually committed suicide, the Reimer twins. Look this up. We don't have time to go into detail about it, but even Oprah had them on and talked about them on her show over 20 years years ago. A, a friend and a colleague of John Money, this m perverted sexual monster John Money, was a gentleman mentioned many, many times by Susan Stryker by the name of Harry, Harry, I want to say Hopkins, excuse me, Harry Benjamin. Now, Harry Benjamin wrote the book, The Transsexual Phenomena, 
And he's along the lines of a Wilhelm Reich and Alfred Kinsey and many others who tried to transform human sexuality into something that was not understood in normalcy and biology in the scriptures. Well, in 1965, he claims he had a dream about biological sex, about biological sex. So he wrote a letter to Dr. John Money, his friend. He wrote a letter, and here's what he said. He says, I'm sad that your adolescent transsexual ran away. I had hoped we finally had our guinea pig, so to speak, a specimen of the male transsexual in development before the heavyweights of the world on their souls made them ever so much more difficult to study. So in essence, as Harry Benjamin, considered one of the founders of the gender identification movement of the sex change clinic movement in America, said, we got to get moving on this. We got to start experimenting with these guinea pigs. By the way, eventually Dr. Paul McHugh, who was a professor of psychiatry at the Johns Hopkins University, studied what was going on in the sex change, clinic, uh, sex change clinics at Johns Hopkins Universities, and they shut it down in 1979. Now, I want to talk about strange bedfellows. Conservatives, Christians, traditionalists, men and women have been exposing the trans, queer worldview for, for many, many years. But now within the alphabet people, within the LGBTQ plus community, so-called community, there's a civil war between the LGB versus the TQ. Many le liberal, lefty feminist women have serious concerns about uh, tr transgenderism, queerism. They're concerned about their radical agenda. It could even be one of the founders of the Pride Movement, Frank Sargent, who was there in 1969 at the Stonewall Riots and founded the 1970 New York Police Pride Parade, who's being attacked by trans radicals, by queer radicals, because he believes there are only two sexes, two genders. Uh, there are many of these, like J.K. Rowlings, Jermaine Greer, Julia Beck, Kelly J. Keene. They're called, besides called fascists and Nazis, they're called TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. I used to go to University of Brighton in England many, many years ago, and there's a professor from University of Sussex, which was only a couple miles away. She was a feminist, a teacher of philosophy by the name of Kathleen Stock, and she's been attacked by the trans radicals and, and queer radicals on, at University of, of Sussex because she dared to say there are only two sexes. This is happening over and over and over again. Just recently in England, the LGB Alliance won a court case against the radical mermaids, and there are organizations like Irish Women organized online to protest against trans-identified male speaker at lesbian conferences. More lesbians are speaking out against a boy named Sue Stryker and men like him pretending to be women. So I want you to hear from Bev Jackson and Kate Harrison, who are talking about the the uh, the trans radicals and the queer radicals trying to shut them up. Here goes. We have torn up the script of all those who subscribe to what they call the LGBTQIA plus two-spirit community. We say there is no such thing. We will not be bullied into accepting extraordinary ideas that a child can be born in the wrong body. We will not accept an idea that says you can change sex and if you're a boyish girl you probably should or a girlish boy so that was the underlying 
scheme was to shut us up because unlike every single other QTIA plus charity who all receive uh, lots more money than we do, uh, we will not go down without a fight. Sense. They have no arguments. They're empty. So you think that you and I, we've, we're being attacked as fascists, Nazis, transphobic, queerphobic, etc. No, they're coming at their, after their own, so to speak. They're coming after the lesbians, the gays, the bisexuals, etc. Now, when you open up this trans queer world, you're opening up a Pandora's box of extreme anything goes anything goesism at any level. You've got to see this family who lives in a polyamorous relationship that'll blow you away. Then we'll close up the show. Here goes. This is Ari, Gwendolyn, and Brinifer. They are in a polyamorous relationship, and they all parent Hazel and Sparrow. We have a two-year-old antigender baby and a 10-year-old who is non-binary. They have chosen not to disclose Sparrow's gender. We don't know it yet. It's something that Sparrow's gonna have to figure out and then tell us. But their parenting approach is controversial. I have literally received death threats. Crazy, crazy lady. I hope karma hits you back and your kids grow up to detest you. These polyamorous parents let their children choose their gender. And for their oldest child, Hazel, that's neither male nor female. Please tell us how and why you decided to come out as non-binary. Because the pronouns she and he did not fit, non-binary was what I turned to. Though I do choose to act and look um, more feminine. Can I go down now? Of course. <laughs> And two-and-a-half-year-old Sparrow has yet to make a choice about their gender. Sparrow, do you want a banana? Yeah. They're anti-gender, but we're using they-them pronouns. Sure, they have anatomy, we understand it, but like that's not indicative of their identity. It's something that Sparrow's going to have to figure out and then tell us before we can tell anyone else. Particularly because it's you know something that our parents did, and they got it wrong. This is, this is absolute child abuse, what's going on here. I, I'm, look, you've heard me say over and over again, when you go into the bizarre world of anything goesism, the bizarre world of the manipulation of language, the bizarre world of the destruction of the idea of humanity, of men in women, the, 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 the bizarre world that destroys biology, science, and the Judeo-Christian world, you're going to open up a world of Sodom and Gomorrah, of anything goesism. Interesting, did you notice how they called it polyamorous? So they take the word many and they put it with the word love. We used to call that polygamy. But, of course, they have to change the language to make it justifiable uh, in the United States of America and or around the world. We are living beyond a brave new world, people. We're living way beyond uh, Huxley's Brave New World. We're living in a, a strange new world, a strange new world of a sexual revolution that at its core is trying to destroy the very meaning of men and women in the world today. I mean, 
look, at, you, you can say, let, let this stuff go on behind closed doors. But the problem is the trans radicals, the queer radicals, they want to legislate this into the halls of state legislatures, into the halls of Congress, so that you and I must bow to their gods, to their uh, perverse way of living life, to their perversion of normalcy and of language through legislation. So in Michigan, we see that the Democrats are calling to actually fine people for not using the proper pronouns uh, that they, they, these individuals choose. The chances are it's going to be unconstitutional, but we're even seeing in the state of Wisconsin. Look at this in the state of Wisconsin. A Wisconsin school district must let trans-identifying students use girls' restroom, a federal judge orders. Here's the crux of it, people. They say live and let's live. We would live and let's live, but this has gone beyond live and let's live. This is to the point now where it's going into law, into legislation, through a tor authoritarianism, which in essence will mandate and dictate that you and I must believe in this nonsense, and then we must speak this nonsense into the world that we live in. And they're going after our children, and they're shoving this down the throats of our children. This is what we're up against. Though it's one thing to believe this behind closed doors, but it's another thing to push this strange new world uh, in, onto our kids in a thousand different ways. And you and I must stand up and speak out so they know that we will not tolerate their intolerance and their fascistic ways. So until we meet again, God bless you, Godspeed, and happy trails to you.